for listening to another episode of Hoopsology. I am Justin Goodrum, joined by Matt Thomas. What's up, man? What's up, man? What's up? Another week, smoky week in Albuquerque and, and in a lot of places. We hope our, our friends out in California are, are safe and doing better. Um, but I, I'm doing great, man. Good to be here with you talking about conference finals basketball. It's exciting time of the year, as always. How are you? Good, man. Good. We're almost towards the finish line. I can't believe it's going to be October in a couple of weeks. That's insane. But uh, that's the boat we're in. And we have the conference finals getting ready to take off. So we will be discussing that. Um, We'll break down some MVP news. Um, And then we have a very special guest. We have Alan Munsler, an avid NBA fan, has a lot of insight regarding the NBA just restarting from the bubble to um, the the MVP race to just the shocking eliminations of the Bucks and LA Clippers. So um, stay tuned for that after we give our thoughts. But first, some housekeeping issues, as always. You can get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Just check us out on Hoopsology, and you should be able to find those handles. Either one, that's the easiest way to keep in touch with all of our latest episodes um, not to mention we're available on all your favorite podcasting um, hosting sites so Spotify Stitcher um, iHeartRadio um, Pandora um, Anchor um, Google Podcasts anything you possibly think of we were on there and of course um, your feedback is welcome uh, leave us a review on iTunes um, possibly or negatively please check that out and also um, email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com so, man, let's hop into it and let's break down these conference finals because it's been shocking. Um, I'm like Charles Barkley. You know how he makes a prediction and he's <laughs> wrong every time? Well, I can't really give him any crap because I'm the same way. Um, just the way these conference finals, I mean, other than like the Nuggets getting into the, the conference finals, this um, playoffs is not, has not gone the way that I, I have expected. But at the same time, that's good. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people wanted in a way. Like, I think they wanted some parody, but not too much parody, right? They didn't want the Orlando Magic playing the Phoenix Suns, right? <laughs> when, when the bubble <laughs> first started. But I think with the teams in there, it provides a lot of excitement. So, man, let's go ahead and break these um, conference finals down. And I guess let's start with the Lakers and Denver. Um, a dominant win for the Los Angeles Lakers, um, defeating the Denver Nuggets, 126-114. Um, um, Anthony Davis, 37 points, 10 rebounds. Um, where do you see this series? I mean, I've been conflicted. I mean, I was like, should I stick on the Nuggets bandwagon and just ride them all the way to the finals, or is it kind of over? I The Lakers have grown on me. I like their length. I mean, they're just they're monsters, right? I mean, they're high in their length. They're not unskilled. These are very talented players as well, so it makes it for a nightmare matchup for the Denver Nuggets. So do you think, do you see any chance of the Nuggets, like, being competitive, or are you like Charles Barkley where you have the broom out and it's going to be over in four games? It's a good question. I I think, you know, playoffs is always obviously about the matchups. Like the Nuggets just happened to be a pretty terrible matchup for those Clippers when all things were said and done. They didn't have anyone to handle or deal with Jokic and Murray was able to get off even though, you know, they were they were supposed to be able to slow him down between Kawhi and Paul George. Didn't happen. Now we move into the conference finals and LA gets that first win. They're playing again tonight. Uh, just so you all know, when you hear this, this is uh, the 20th. We're recording this podcast in the afternoon. We're about two hours away from tip-off. Um, so, yeah, the bigs are more of a problem for Jokic than than I thought they were going to be. Dwight Howard was getting physical with Jokic. There was a lot of 
actually joking between Dwight Howard and uh, I believe it was Jamal Murray, uh, who who was kind of telling Dwight Howard to get away from him, and <laughs> Dwight joking about you know following Jokic to to his hallway and messing with him when he comes out of his room, things things like that, just kind of funny banter between between these teams. Um, but no, it it really um, was a problem for the Nuggets. I, I think I can't count the Nuggets out. So you know I. I'm at the risk of sounding like I'm gloating too much. Thing, things are kind of going so far this playoffs or this conference finals how how I kind of envision them going. Now that could fall apart any minute. It's it's only one game in in this series. Um, but you know, with the Nuggets, they're still dangerous because they have Murray and they have um, Michael Porter Jr. And, and both of those guys, you know, can go off like a spark. Uh, and light that gas can and, and just blow the, the Lakers up. Um, and it's it's going to be shocking to me if if Murray isn't able to get off in, in a few of these games. Because, yes, like you mentioned, the Lakers have that size. But you would think that would also leave them uh, somewhat exposed. I mean, especially since the Lakers have been playing without Avery Bradley, as, as we talked about a while back. You know, he's, he's not even on this Lakers team to kind of help slow down those perimeter players. So I do think the Nuggets have a very realistic chance, um, and I don't want to overreact to just one game. Um, but I I had L.A. in six in this, this series. I feel pretty good about that pick right now, um, as much as, you know, the feel-good story with Denver is there, and, and I'd also, you know, love it if, if the Nuggets won and, and proved me wrong. Um, the question I have for you, and something that I heard that I wasn't aware of um, until recently, is that when the Nuggets won that game seven um, against the Clippers, they celebrated with champagne that night. And, mm. you know, similar to like a scene that you would see. Now, I don't know that they were spraying each other down in the locker room or anything like that, but, you know, kind of similar to what you would celebrate with after winning the NBA Finals. Sure. On, on the other side, who we'll get to, the Miami Heat, I mean, when they beat the Bucks, there wasn't there wasn't that celebration. I mean, they hardly even looked happy after they won that first game against the Bucks. Do you think, you know, you, you've been on the Nuggets. You, I mean, credit to you, you have predicted the Nuggets – coming this far you picked them over the Clippers I did not I was wrong there um I didn't see it coming like you did is Denver at this point in your opinion just happy to be there in this conference finals or do you think they're mentally ready to do this and you know this might be impossible to tell really I I can't fault the guys for celebrating some playoff success but do you get the feeling that mentally they're kind of there and ready to get to the finals do they need more time my gut reaction is to totally agree with you, yes. I, I think with the Nuggets, them celebrating with champagne, you have to remember, um, I think Jackie McMullen described it when she was on Bill Simmons. The Nuggets are a very happy-go-lucky team. I get that. Um, they're very tight at the same time. I mean, this is their first time, you know, in the kind of the Western Conference Finals as this as this unit, right? So I think for somebody like a Jamal Murray, for instance, or even a Jokic, like, that that killer instinct is not there as opposed to you know supposed to the Miami Heat Spolstra champion right Pat Riley champion you know Jimmy Butler's hungry that desire it's different so you have you know two diametrically opposed um, views on how you do things I would say that with the Nuggets they're they're facing the tougher team I mean you're you're facing a 
all-time great player with LeBron and a perennial all-star, probably future Hall of Famer with Anthony Davis. I think having kind of your lunch pail hat on is more appropriate. Like, I'm just way of celebrating him. You can have a nice dinner. You can have a nice glass of wine. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you can have a, you know, a, whatever kind of thing. But champagne has a championship connotation with it, yeah. right? And not to mention also... You didn't win the Western Conference Finals. If you want to, if they won the Western Conference Finals, that makes sense to me. That's a huge accomplishment, right? You pulled off an upset. You're in the NBA Finals for the first time. If if that was the case, if you were, if let's just hypothetically, this was the Nuggets versus the Heat. That's hypothetical. Um, and that those scenarios played out with the Conference Finals, I wouldn't think of it too much, to be honest. Um, just because it's, it's winning a you know conference championship that has a lot of significance to it. Um, and I think we, we've seen that compared to somebody like, you know, a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook who have failed in that. Um, but to only to get to through the second round, I I think the champagne's overboard. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, we don't really know what 100% happened, but it would make me uncomfortable as a veteran on that team, like somebody, I think like a Paul Millsap, right? Like he's been in the league. He's an OG in the league, like – Somebody should say something. Hey, guys, let's just come on. We haven't done anything. We have LeBron next. We can get bounced in four games very quickly. Um, things can turn because the, with the, the way the timeline works, these games are so compressed. As compared to um, a regular playoff season, um, these are more spread out. So um, to answer your question, yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous considering being on the um, Nuggets uh, hype train that they were doing that and also too in game one where Jokic and Murray they shot well um, mm. and they, they I mean, you take a look at the score I mean this, the defense was non-existent but that tells you like I am worried even if they do go off are they going to be able to stop you know LeBron and Anthony Davis if we get into a high scoring you know kind of shootout um, I just don't think they're going to be able to match up with that. But but we'll see. I think it's been a nice season. I don't like how the Nuggets have been disrespected. I think watching the talking heads, it's mm. it sucks that like somebody like Jamal Murray has been giving props. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when somebody's going to give you props, but they don't kind of really respect you yet. And I think that's where the Nuggets are. Kind of like, oh, aren't you cute? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's a nice Pat fairy. On the head. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice fairy tale season, but... They're not getting that respect as compared to, you know, the Miami Heat who took out the Bucks. They 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 seem to be getting a lot more respect and I think like their teams are fairly similar. I don't think the Heat are dramatically better than the Denver Nuggets. So and I, and I think, you know, I think maybe it's because of Jimmy Butler and then you have the whole Eric Spoelstra situation, maybe that's a factor, but um I just think the Nuggets deserve a little bit more respect. It sounds ridiculous because I, it's possible they could get swept in a series. But I, I think they deserve a lot of props for what they've done in this playoffs. I mean, they, they've been through the ringer. Yeah, and I, I certainly give them props. I mean, for beating that Clippers team, I you you beat the man. You yeah, know, we always we quote Ric Flair. I mean, you yeah. took away that Kawhi Leonard title belt. I think they deserve a ton of credit for that. Now – you're not going to learn earn like you know best overall team in the league or anything like that for losing in the conference finals but for them for them to be there so now kind of countering what i said with the champagne celebrating they should be very happy to be in the western conference finals they just shouldn't be satisfied to just be there um and this team has a ton of continuity they've been together for years together a lot of like the core of this team 
has been together multiple years. They have Murray locked down. They have Jokic locked down on contracts. So they could say, I mean, this this team will be back next year, I would think. I mean, unless they really lose a ton in free agency, but the main pieces are there. And Mike Malone's not going anywhere either. So I, I think this team will be back, be a real threat to be a Western Conference finalist. There was there anything else you wanted to add on this series? I know we'll talk about the MVP, but as this series and stuff, any other thoughts you had? No, it's 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 hard to comment more because it's it's been one game, it's one sample size. If the Nuggets go crazy tonight and you know blow out the Heat, which could happen, or I'm sorry, the Lakers, which could happen, um, you know, we'll be talking about something totally different next time. So I think that's good for now. Um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see if they can do anything to slow down LeBron and AD. I mean, plain and simple. Because yeah. the Lakers can probably play that game of, since, since the Nuggets are younger, they can probably play that game of, okay, Murray, come beat us. Okay, Jokic, come beat us. Yeah. And do well enough to win. Whereas I feel the Nuggets really need to do something to slow one of those guys down a little bit. And you're not going to make them have bad games no. if they are engaged. But slow them down enough to where you can you can best them. You can outscore them, outpace them. For sure. Um, let's hop into the Boston Celtics Miami Heat series. This is a shocker. I've been discounting the Heat. It's going to be weird because I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Butler. And I like Tyler Hero. I like their team. But... They have to feel like Toronto to me. I I think it's very unfortunate for Miami not to actually have their team play in their home city. I think that they'd be it'd be a great story. Like I find I've kind of rad on their fans when they had LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Like you see these games, like this is the hottest act in the NBA, and like they're nowhere to be found the first five <laughs> minutes. Like what the, what's going on here? Yeah, hey, that beach is nice in Miami. I guess I guess so, <laughs> um, but. Going into the series right now, Miami has a two games to one lead. Um, saw Boston come back, um, especially now when we're recording this. Um, we, I'm sure everybody's heard the story about the Boston locker room um, kind of blowing up with Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, them getting into it. I, I want to specifically ask you two questions, and you brought this up earlier, and you can elaborate on this. One, why do you think the media always blows up these situations? Is it kind of like this Rinna's reality TV show era? So any kind of dirt, any kind of drama is going to be blown out of proportion. And then also, do you think that could have been a catalyst for them to play better? I mean, we've seen Boston dominate stretches of certain games and then they just blow leads. Um, do you think, you know, finally some anger, some, you know, passion out of this, out of this locker room can can get Boston on the right track because you know there's no more excuses right you know in terms of age that's out the window really right you have all the experience no more on um, Kyrie Irving he's gone so now everything's in your favor again you have the team that you want I mean really um, the only thing really really I think hurting um, the Boston Celtics is you know Gordon Hayward right yeah. like he's not at a hundred percent so I think. <sighs> If you want to really apply any kind of an excuse, if they were to get bounce, you know, there's the Hayward kind of situation, but mm. still that they're running out of time. Um, and I think soon, you know, as the NBA works, if you don't win, things quickly dissolve, right? Players want to bounce and just go to different teams. So I think overall, can you see Boston making a comeback here? Or do you think 
you still see some signs of immaturity in which that he can really capitalize and finish his team off. Yeah, so a lot, a lot to unpack that there. <laughs> um, so yes, we're interested in this because it's like reality TV. It's like when, uh, when we were in middle school together, <laughs> and someone gets in a fight at recess or something like <laughs> that. True. We all want just human nature. We want to swarm around. We want to see. We don't want anyone to get hurt or anything like that. But if something's going down. Let me know. I want to watch. Uh, make sure someone's getting the teacher. But you know, let's let's see what happens here. Um, so yeah, I, I think the media feeds off of that. It gets them clicks. So it makes sense that they they blow this up. They want to spend 15 minutes talking about if team chemistry has gone down the drain. Really, just just kind of in that point. I think that's what I, you know, I keep harping on the Clippers here, and you guys will hear that maybe more in in our interview. Actually, you will, not just maybe. Um, But, hey, if something like this had happened in the Clippers locker room, we might have been talking about them advancing because then you see that someone in that locker room actually cares about what's happening on the court and their performance. So you have Marcus Smart, who I think the team acknowledges is, is the heart of that team, um, taking issue with Jalen Brown and, and several players were involved as well. I mean, the the reports were just shouting coming out of that locker room. Um, but yeah, this this shows that the guys care. They expect to make the finals, and you know they got punched in the mouth in the first two games. To be honest, and, and they're the Celtics. They have this, uh, you know, with Marcus Smart as as the heart of that team. They have this identity as a hardworking team that we're going to out-hustle you, we're going to out-scheme you with our coach Brad Stevens, and none of that was happening in the first two games. And then we see that, yes, to kind of back that that point up that, you know, I was making on Twitter as well, that, you know, this is no big deal. We we always blow this stuff out of proportion. They, they come back and they win this game three, and you see their four best players all scored over 20 points, uh, which was even enough for, I, I think, Hayward had like six points or something like that in 30 minutes of play. And yes, he's not right. He's coming off an injury. So that I, you know, transitioning into trying to talk more about the series, I, I do think that hinders the Celtics chances and and lowers their ceiling because if you don't have consistent production from those four guys, like they did in game three, then I'm not sure they can, they can take out the heat who are also, doing this by production. I, I was wrong last week, by the way. I, I said I thought the Celtics team were deeper. Things are different now with that Hayward injury. And yeah. and I don't think the depth of the Celtics bench is quite as deep as the Heats now at this point. Like yeah. When you consider you have like Olenek contributing um, and, and a lot of these players, I mean, like even in game three, even in, in the loss, I mean, Bam showed that he can score too. He had 27. He had a great line. Um, so... So I just think the Heat have more tools in their toolkit at this point, and I love Coach Spolstra. I love Coach Stevens too; he's great. Um, but I think, you know, Spolstra, I would give the edge. Just he's been here longer than Coach Stevens. He's got, um, you know, a little more knowledge, a little more tricks up his sleeve, oh, maybe. Hell, he's got point. Pat Riley too. That too. Like yeah. you know, it's not like Pat Riley's sitting there figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you coaching. I mean, you, but you have that brain trust there as well, knowledge. Yeah, and and I have to um, also give you credit on the Jimmy Butler takes that you have had because because uh, I've been more negative. Um, I get it over the past couple of years. Yeah. Like I kind of 
kind of saw him as like a drama queen. I think a lot of people I, did I with yeah. how he left Philly, yeah. how he left the yeah. Timberwolves. But it turns out, I think maybe what happened and maybe where I was wrong is he saw the weaknesses on these teams. He saw the chemistry issues and he said, no, this is not championship mentality. He had hardworking culture in Chicago, even though things didn't work out, mostly because, you know, injuries and, yeah. and whatnot. And I think he found that perfect, you know, of course, things are going well for them now. So maybe we'll see a different story next year. But I think he found that culture match and kind of lined it up with Pat Riley. We know used to run his teams to death. He's hardworking guy. Now he's not the coach, but but I think he was able to obviously level with Jimmy Butler in free agency. And it's worked out tremendously. And I, I think even though like you're spot on with your your criticism of the Heat fans, uh, I think the identity of that team and inside that building is hardworking, professionalism. Um, you know, I, I, if Zach Lowe were to hear this, he'd be rolling his eyes because we keep talking about heat culture. But, but it's a thing, and and it's been shown on the court. Um, do you think this, the Celtics have enough to come back? And and what are your thoughts on all that? Because I I went off for a while there. No, I'll <laughs> I'll uh, just wrap up my thoughts. I think the Celtics are the more talented team. I do. Um, I really like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think, and for Kimma Walker, I mean, this is a time where, hey, LeBron gets killed all the time, but I think we have to be fair about these other players and not giving passes. I mean, look at James Harden. I mean, how many times he's, he's gotten killed, him, Westbrook, like, and other players get some passes. So I think with the Celtics in particular, I mean, clearly these guys are not flashes in the pan. These are perennial, I think, are be perennial all-stars in this league. And for them to, to, to lose to the Miami Heat um, and you take in consideration their past playoff history, that's going to hurt them. Um, I do think they have enough depth. I do think just because of their leads they've had over the Heat that they are they have the ability to come back in this series. Um, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it's making me really uncomfortable to – you know, totally pick the Celtics. I will say, and then I'll I'll, I'll be um, I'll turn it over to you. I think with Jimmy Butler, I what I respect about him is just listening to him during the off season in terms of how hard he works and how he really loves to win. And he's a no BS. He's a straight shooter, and I get it. It rubs people the wrong way, a hundred percent, and that can go either way. But at least he wants to win as opposed to a player that I despise, Terrell Owens, who's all about himself. And he's a hard <laughs> worker. Like, it's very similar, right? Like, Terrell Owens on the field, I never really had an issue with him while he was playing. But, however, he was all about himself, and I don't think Butler is that way. I think he wants to win. Um, and mm-hmm. it's what's best for the team, and that you know, if he wants to ruffle some feathers, so be it. He doesn't care. Um, so that's why I respect Butler, and I've seen him just – you know, gut some things out through this grit and determination. So, I mean, that's why I am high on him despite his personality. Because you're right, I think under normal circumstances, I would I would have a, you know, bitter taste in my mouth too of him. Um, however, I do think that his sentiments are in the right place. And also he has, you know, two veteran, he has a veteran coach and Pat Riley put him in check. So he has those kind of respectable figures. And also it goes both ways. I mean, it's hard not to respect Eric Spostra and Pat Riley. So I think in that structure, he can be the veteran. He's hungry. He could be the actual leader for this team. He's the alpha dog. Yeah. yeah. Despite him not necessarily being the, the best player, 
um, he can kind of be that motivation as compared to something like the Clippers, which was bizarre because I would expect that out of Patrick Beverly. He talks all that crap, but where's your leadership, right? <laughs> I mean, where I mean, if Paul George and Kawhi are be quiet, where's Patrick Beverly as like the vocal leader on the team? Yeah. So, I think that's that's where I draw the line. But that'll, that'll wrap up my thoughts on the series. Yeah, I think you know Tatum and Brown are are key for yeah. the Celtics, and and I think Tatum has been there. Tatum's been more consistent than Brown. Uh, so to me, Jalen Brown is is the X factor in this series on this Celtics team. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sticking with my Heat pick. Um, obviously, I'm I've liked what I've seen. Celtics could totally come back. I, I think you're you're totally right. Um, I mean, Tatum maybe. I think last week I said Butler is the best all around player. He could be. Tatum is definitely the best all around scorer in the series. So, you know, it's it's tricky. I I think um, the Hayward thing might mess with their rhythm to the extent that they're not able to recover from this. But we might have a seven game series, and it would be yeah. great if we did because um, it's it's two teams that that play very hard, that want to be there, want to win. Nobody's mailing it in. Nobody's pulling the Clippers. Sorry, Clippers, and <laughs> you know, up sixteen and then giving up. Sure. Um, so. Uh, so it's going to be a great series moving forward, and I think it's it's going at least six games for sure, maybe seven. Um, so let's break down the MVP real quickly. Um, just I don't I don't think we have to go like super in depth about this. Um, it's just quite notable, just because um, as you'll hear later on, um, LeBron's comments about the MVP race, him finishing second, Giannis finishing first. So I'll break that down real quickly for you. Um, Giannis got 85 um, first place votes. LeBron got 16 first place votes, 84 second place, and Giannis got 16 second place. James Harden got one second place vote, 64 um, third place votes. And I'm not going to read all these. Luca finished fourth. Kawhi Leonard finished fifth. Hmm. Anthony Davis sixth. Chris Paul, 7th, Lillard, 8th, Jokic, 9th, Pascal Siakam, 10th, Jimmy Butler, 11th, and Jason Tatum, 12th. Um, and it's by a point system. So I, Man, good for Luka, 4th. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's second true. Second year in the NBA. It's true. I just want to ask you, what is the relevance of this award? Because just looking at this list, I see here like LeBron like being truly upset. I mean, the man's won it four times. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying like there's a limit on winning the MVP, but look at Kobe, right? He won it once, mm. and I, yeah, Kobe's an icon in the in the league. So, I guess my question is, how much of this award should be truly relevant? Because I think people just make up their own rules for this award instead of just really I don't know, just following any kind of criteria. Like every year, it's just. Okay, who's the best player in the league? You know, who had the best season? Well, if you had the best season and you're but you're the best player, but your team stinks, then you're disqualified. Like, what is what? What should this <laughs> award be? And again, another thing is okay. Well, like Giannis is a good example, right? Regular season, awesome. Playoffs, you know, mediocre, not so good. They get bounced early. So you're just in this weird situation in which it just looks bad. You know, you even look at Damian Lillard, right? Like a Herculean effort to get the trailblazers into the playoffs and to do what they did um he you think he deserves a little bit more love so where do you see this award going do you kind of see it just staying kind of stagnant like this or do you think there should be some changes made so we can have at least a criteria for everybody to judge on so we can have actual like debates because right now 
the debates, it's just like we, you're, we're arguing two different things. So we, it's impossible to really agree or have a, a talk about it if we don't have different criteria of who's the MVP. Yeah, I think the, the award, uh, and, and this maybe is a hot take, but I think the award needs to stay the same because look how everyone's talking about it. Sure. You know, it, it's a media-driven award. That's true. Um, and, you know, if, if we look back, I mean, it, so the award is the most outstanding player of the NBA regular season. I, I think the wording is right on that, but I know for sure it's um, of the regular season for one thing. Um, you know, when, if, if we were to, you know, put this year in a time capsule, say there's no MVP, but if we wanted to know who had the best season this year, who had the best regular season, I mean, what would, what would your answer be? It would be Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this year the award did its job. Now there are classic years where that didn't happen. Like when Carl Malone won it over Michael Jordan, everyone always cites that example. It was kind of a lifetime achievement award for Malone. Um, that does tell us a bit about narrative of the, that year, interestingly enough, where, you know, I, I don't think Malone deserved it over Jordan from, from what I've seen, but it, it kind of does tell us some of the media narrative of that year. And so I get LeBron's frustration. Here, here's the funny thing, though, and, and why I actually would kind of wish he didn't talk so much about it. He, could, he said, what is this? Is this all about narrative? The reason he got 16 votes, and, and of course we can disagree here, the reason he got 16 votes is because Rachel Nichols on the jump said, well, with the tragedy that the Lakers faced this year of Kobe passing away, LeBron has really carried this team. He's been carrying this team. His whole case for the MVP is not statistical, and his stats are great, but the, they... Uh, they're dwarfed by Giannis's stats just overall, sure. especially if you consider defensively. Fair enough. Um, but his whole case, the reason he got these votes, in my opinion, is that this narrative was started by Rachel Nichols, and he's complaining about the narrative. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where I stand with LeBron. I, I think it's great that he's pissed off because that's going to carry him through the finals. He's going to remember that. Yeah. And he has every right to be pissed off, of course, because in his mind yeah he's the best basketball player in the world and and he's proven it because he's still in the playoffs so i think that's fair but um it's it's just kind of funny but you're right it's it's very controversial it it seems like it changes every year like that year with russell westbrook and the triple doubles it was man he's he's averaging a triple double we have to give it to him i think they were the sixth seed in the playoffs uh, and so some people were like, well, he's the sixth seed. You have to be at least the fourth seed to get the MVP. So, yeah, there's no standard with that. And I I think, I guess my point that's kind of not a point, but kind of a point is is that's the whole point of the MVP, is that yeah. we argue about it at the end of every season, no matter what it seems. Pretty clear cut when Steph Curry won it, I think um, – both seasons that that he won that award i think it was pretty clear he was the rightful mvp although lebron would probably have a bone to pick with that too um this year i think was really cut and dry like bucks have the best record in my opinion they're hurt way more if you take Giannis off that roster than if you take lebron off the lakers agreed um and yeah the bucks just had a better record than the lakers too they're a 500 team without 
yeah worse yeah i mean they may yeah probably just walk into like Barely. the seventh seed or, or something like that yeah um that's true you could say the same for the lakers because the west is tougher well they have anthony but, davis at least yeah exactly and and he's at least gotten teams to the playoffs before yeah. he got the pelicans to the playoffs so so i don't know a, a lot to do about nothing what did you think about lebron bringing up so when he talked about narrative he was referring back to 2012-2013 season. What did you think about him bringing that up? Was that was that fair? Was that, I don't know, LeBron, you're thinking about this too much? What do you think? Uh, I just think it just sounds like he's better. Like, yeah. I again, I respect the honesty. I, I like it. It's refreshing to me to see athletes saying what's on their mind because I, I feel like the media, they, they have it both ways. It's like, well the athlete's not being honest. It's the PC answer. Why are you telling us things that's not true? And then when the guy's being true, you want to kill him. Well, you should have kept that quiet. Like, come on, man. So I, I respect his honesty. I, I disagree with it. I think it's, like you said, Matt, I think it's cool that he's he's angered. That means we're going to see a, a motivated LeBron trying to, you know, kill everybody in, in the playoffs. So to me, I would like to, you know, to see that. You know, it, it helps the viewers like us because we're going to see a more entertaining LeBron as opposed to, you know, sometimes we see LeBron being passive. Um, especially, you know, facing the Nuggets, it's an easy team to look over. And with this bubble situation, it's, it's very interesting, right? Because you don't have fans to really, you know, get you up. You don't have that kind of boost. It's gone. So That LeBron has talked about. Yeah. yeah. So this is this could be play a factor in being that, that motivating drive. Um, to, to, to see him, you know, carry the Lakers. Because right now, Anthony Davis has been the anchor, I would say, so far. So, I don't know. I think it's not much to do about nothing. It, it's, it's, just, it's so interesting because we were talking about just with our guests later on, with, with Alan, the social justice thing. Like, everything kind of dissolves back to basketball. I mean, what's the number one thing we're talking about, right? It's LeBron, you know. Some people would say, quote-unquote, whining about not winning the MVP. So, Sooner or later, we kind of get back to kind of normal. Even he can read all the books he wants. But um, it still goes back to him. You know, he felt like he got screwed out of the MVP race. But I agree with you. It's, it's cut and dry. I think Giannis is the clear MVP. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens um, from a, a legacy perspective from Giannis. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch before, before we bounce. Um, just well, We talked about this a lot in depth with Alan, but I just want to get kind of your thoughts real quickly. Uh, with the Clippers... Um, I want to focus more on Doc Rivers because I feel like Paul George is not really totally focused in terms of what – he might get a pass just because of his mental health issues in the bubble and what he's gone through and Kawhi's one has the titles. So I think despite this, he'll get a pass and whatever. But Doc Rivers, I don't think so. And yet, so far, it seems like he remains the coach of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, just quickly, do you think Rivers should remain the coach – the Clippers. I mean, we, there's two iterations of this team. Clearly, top, you know, either All Stars or Hall of Famers still has not gotten it done. I mean, it's, it's a time to move on here. Man, I would say yes. Um, and I, I think Doc Rivers is a great coach. What I, what I think is, um, you know, like if if you are in any given profession, like say say I'm a doctor, I, I have to do continual coursework every single year in my specialty to be able to continue to practice to to do what i do it's it's that way in every job you can think of you have continuing education usually um it's it feels to me like doc 
hasn't had that continuing education or hasn't had those upgrades or whatever you want to call it that that new coaches are getting like we see going back to Brad Stevens and coach Spolstra in the east like you see for the most part very good inbound schemes adjustments made at halftime I mean that that is just happening and even if you're killing that team you still have to think ahead and have the foresight to what is that team then going to do for their adjustments at halftime and be able to counter that. And it, it seems like Doc, um, I'm sure he's making some adjustments at halftime. I mean, I don't want to be like that ignorant or naive, yeah. but, but it just seems like it's, it's not enough. I wonder if his voice has been on that organization for too long. And I wonder if they just need to shake things up like that. Now, a lot of this is tied to, how much was Doc a determining factor for Kawhi going there? How much was Doc a determining true. factor for Paul George going there? It's true. Um, because it, it does seem like the players that play for him love him. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a strength as an NBA coach. It and is. He's very charismatic, very good spokesperson. Very likable. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I would say yes. And, and I'm not one to try and get coaches out of places i think coaches need time and and that's the one thing that doc has had a lot of he's he's had a lot of time in la um so i think it's time to move on obviously you know with with what alan and and you and i were talking about you know steve balmer has has said that he's he's gonna be there i don't know what what would you say if if you're uh joaquin phoenix in the gladiator would you give him (laughs) the thumbs up or the thumbs down as, as you're standing there it's tough. He's a he's a great coach, so if he bounces. He's going to get hired very quickly. I would say thumbs down. Um, I I just think you've you've had two genuine chances with two different teams, right? Reformed, and that, that's rare for a coach to get. Usually, coaches get axed very quickly, and he's got he had two chances to really formed, get really two different approaches, and and both really failed miserably. So I would say if it was like, hey, he went to the NBA Finals. Didn't get there. He lost. That'd be different. At least he got to the NBA Finals. I I think that says more to you as a coach as opposed to, you know, what his success is now. So overall, I would say they need to go in a different direction. And I think they need to take a chance. You know, Steve Kerr proved that. I mean, you know, Mark Jackson was a great coach. And maybe, you know, Mark Jackson's available, you know, try try something on him or, you know, a newer coach. So um, we'll have to see what happens. Now, did you have any other thoughts before we wrap it up, man? Yeah, just one more on sure. that. Paul George, in, in kind of the exit interview, post-game, yeah. what, what have you, was saying basically that, I, I don't know if he worded it exactly this way, I'm paraphrasing, but, but he said basically you know, the expectation wasn't to win a championship this first year. Ah. And so I wonder <laughs> how, how much ah. of that is coming from his own perspective, how much of that is coming from expectations that Doc set for Wrong that team or whatever. Yeah. That's just, a terrible uh, thing. Even if that was, even if like Doc Rivers said that as a player, your mentality is you want to win at all costs. That tells you the mentality of what Paul George has, right? So compared to, you look at Damian Lillard, like he wants it so bad. Yeah. You can I, see it. He just, he's, he's savoring for it. Like he's just, he, he wants to win so so badly and if you know if i'm damian lillard i'm hearing that's like an insult i mean i'm like losing my mind <laughs> if, I, if i heard that even if doc Rivers yeah. is preaching that that's ridiculous to me like to even say that like that's something like 
you know, keep to yourself. Maybe he phrased it wrong. Maybe, like, the expectations was that, you know, this was a first year of us together. Like, next year is, like, we'll be more cohesive. You know, and that makes, that's one big thing he said. He yeah. said, we just needed more time together, which I think everyone agrees I, with. Of with course. How they LeBron were said that with his season. team. Yeah. But to yeah. say that, you know, that, it just felt like a total cop-out to is. me. It is. That's a horrible that, thing to say. <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. take the blame. Yeah. Take the loss. Sure. You guys really underperformed in that, in that game seven. You know, yes, it, it sucks, but, you know, this is professional athletics. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. That's the last bit I had. I, I just thought that comment yeah. was interesting, and, and I don't know if it's an indicator of greater things in, you know, Clippers culture. They still need to get yeah. over the hump of being the Clippers. Like Barkley said, the last dance when, you know, Jordan got bounced out of the playoffs that one year. Um, he was basically saying, you know, to his personal trainer, hey, um, the season's not over. I'll see you tomorrow. We're working. So yep. we've seen the players that work, they get rewarded. Somebody like Jimmy Butler, right? I mean, he's working constantly in, in the summer. He has his, you know, click, his homies. They're out there conditioning and then they can party and do whatever. But, you know, that, that 5 to 10 a.m., you know, they're out there. They're working every day together. And you see the, the dividends of that. So uh, I think that's going to wrap up our show, man. Um, stay tuned now for an interview with Alan Munster, a great uh, NBA mind. Uh, you don't want to miss it. A lot of interesting perspective from him. And again, just check us on all our social media platforms. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. For Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodrum. We will see you next time. And stay tuned for an interview with Alan Munster coming up right now. Peace. Peace. Now we welcome onto the show um, a good uh, a friend of mine. I'm always picking his brain about basketball and especially with everything going down now. Um, I thought it was especially appropriate just to have him on, pick his brain. Um, his name is Alan Musler. What's going on, Alan? How's it going? Oh, it's going great, Justin. How are you? Good, man. Um, so I want to just uh, kind of – you have a wealth of basketball knowledge, so I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about the entire situation the NBA is in. Um can you kind of give your thoughts as to what happened when the pandemic first started um, in regards to how you felt, how you think the bubble was going to really happen? Um, what was your thoughts when, you know, there's no more basketball being played and like how the NBA was going to like put this together? That's, that's uh, yeah. I mean, go all the way back to March. And I think at, at my job, we'd been preparing for a potential shutdown for a month at that point already. Uh, just based on what what had happened to our China office, so we'd we'd been working on it, and so I, you know I was aware of what was going on, but then you know Gobert test positive. I'm watching games that night, and all of a sudden, you know they're they're you know talking about all of a sudden this uh, OKC Jazz game is not happening. It's like uh oh, and I remember I don't remember who I told, but I told somebody I was like that's it. That that's it. There's not going to be any more basketball. Um, they are shutting. They're going to have to shut it down. Um, and it's funny because I think it was the same day. I think Tom Hanks tested positive, and I think in the course of like a weekend, we went from nobody really, uh, you know, worrying too much about it, uh, or at least the general populace, to all of a sudden we're going into full shutdown. Um, so I guess we have the NBA and Tom Hanks to thank for kind of 
getting us uh, getting our eyes open. Um, and it was sad, you know. I'm I'm a I am a guy who watches, you know, not just my personal favorite team, but you know, I'm I will put the TV on. I'm a league pass guy. I watch all sorts of different teams. I like I like watching the the good teams. I like watching the teams that are up and coming, you know, to see kind of how they develop. Um, so it was, it was definitely like something had been torn out of my life. It was sad. It was, it felt unnecessary, not unnecessary to avoid the pandemic, but that, you know, are there things that we could have done, you know, to, to have a better response? It, so, yeah. And I, I was very skeptical of the bubble. Um, I wasn't sure if they could pull it off. Uh, and I think, uh, so far, they've been able to. I think today is the first time we've seen a potential issue in the wobble, other than, I guess, Jimmy Butler's uh, uh, non-inconclusive test back uh, in August. But they, they're, I don't know if you saw the news, but they're postponing the uh, Seattle Storm game uh, tonight because several players had inconclusive tests. So, oh, wow. uh so we'll see kind of what happens there and how that shakes out. But I, I was skeptical. I was excited. I was excited to see basketball again. Um, even as rough as the scrimmages were, uh, it was fun to see, see the season again. Uh, and I thought that it was interesting to see kind of what, what would happen uh, with no fans uh, and uh, you know, what, what happens to home court advantage, what happens to, you know, travel days and, I I really have liked what the product has looked like for the most part. Um, so that's that's really my thoughts on the bubble. I'm glad it's back. I hope they can figure out something to restart the season in the spring. Um, and we'll kind of just go from there. And I want to also ask you about the social justice component. Uh, Matt and I, we've been um, talking about this. Um, ever since you know the league negotiated this, we had a long conversation about this when the um, whole um, walkout boycott happened. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts overall on: Do you think the leagues um, is doing a good job in taking this on? Just because you know facts for facts, ratings have been lower. Um, there's a poll that came out that specifically said uh, viewers um, are not watching the NBA because it's too political in their eyes. Um, and, I, and I've heard just both sides of whatever spectrum you're on say that they don't they don't necessarily want to see that when they're, they're watching the NBA. So do you think this is kind of a worthwhile cause for the league to take on um, despite them losing viewers or should the kind of the league rethink their whole strategy um, regarding Black Lives Matter? I think first I want to I, I, I would want to clarify a point that you made, Justin, and that's the idea. I I do not like the idea that that Black Lives Matter is a political sure. uh, stand. It's it's a human rights stand, uh, one that the data fully backs up. Um, uh, it, it's you know, so it's it's uh, the people who say they don't want their politics I, in in basketball. This isn't this is this is a human rights issue, um, and. I, I think someone someone on Twitter said the thing that sports are the benefit of a functioning civilization and society, right? And I, I think we're on the precipice of pretty much not having that. So um, I, I, I think to kind of put your head in the ground 
and ignore what's going on and, and just clamor for your entertainment, I think is short-sighted. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was really proud of the players for taking, taking the stand in the, in the middle of the playoffs um, and deciding enough is enough. I was surprised they came back. I, of course, I'm glad because I am a fan of, of the game. But I, I would have absolutely supported and understood um, if they uh, decided not to. I mean, the one of the uh, I would say like the most power that that we kind of working people have is our capital, right? And so, you know, there's there's an expectation that no matter how bad the uh, the the elite. Uh, make things that they'll that we'll still go to work because we don't want to lose health insurance or wages and et cetera. And I get that, you know, I'm I'm certainly in that in that boat too. But you know, the, the things that you can get done if if you can get enough people to withhold their capital, um, that's that's that really puts the screws into the people who are who are basically who have been stealing our wealth for for decades now. If not well in, in some places for for uh, for black Americans for centuries, so that's my that's I don't know. Justin, did I answer your question there? <laughs> yeah, I because I, I, Matt and I debated this, and I I think I'm, I'm with you, Alan, to a certain extent. It, it it bothered me, and Matt knows this, that when all the players had that players only meeting, and you know there's a lot of infighting. I'm sure I don't know if you heard about Patrick Beverly, his comments toward yeah. toward Michelle Roberts. That that bothered me. I and just LeBron walking out, and then some teams wanting to boycott, other teams not wanting to. Um, the Bucks not letting know the Orlando Magic what's going on. Like I thought the league was unified on it, and it it, it troubled me that the league wasn't kind of unified on this when they already were negotiating this before the bubble started. I mean, if there was no COVID and there the league wasn't focused on this, I would completely be on the Bucks side, but. The unorganization, I think, really hurt hurt the cause, and I, I'm for this cause. And honestly, I think it's worth the ratings declining because you're right, Alan. I agree, it is a human rights issue. However, when you're trying to get people to really understand what's really going on, it's it's hard to really them to take you serious when there's really no cohesive message. It, it just it just bothered me, like everything that went on, and including basketball resuming. To be quite honest with you, I, I like you know me. I'm a I'm a fan like yourself, yeah. but it just to kind of cave within just a few days and honestly with their demands that they got that was something that they could have gotten around without boycotting so like to me like real like if this was i think super serious like even though they like they settled into Bianca taylor's case like we're not going to play right. until there's charges to the police officers we're not going to play until you know we see justice for george floyd etc like clear like demands high stakes, like for these athletes who make millions of dollars um, to really put their money where their mouth is. And they, they weren't necessarily willing to do that. So while I commend them, I can't totally give them a hundred percent props because yeah, it, it bothered me the way, the way it went down um, to, to be quite honest with you. And I don't know yeah. the future when all this is over, how they actually proceed in terms of negotiating is Black Lives Matter still going to be on the court? Like, it's not going to go away after COVID's over. Um, and also, to Matt's point, um, and he'll, he'll mention this too, about the, the, the China stuff as well. Like, that is a huge hypocrisy. It just, just is. Um, and it, it's a, so it, it gets really, really confusing. 
Um, so I, I just hope that it, they do see some co- cohesion after the season's over. I I, I think like, and I, I I feel like it was an opportunity to ask NBA ownership and the league to do things. Now the league can't charge the officers. The league can't get justice for George Floyd. They can do what influence they can. I mean, they were able to get the Wisconsin deputy attorney general on the phone or, or deputy governor and attorney general. But the, the things that they really should have focused on, I feel like, and, and gotten the concessions for, I mean, getting the arenas open for voting is great, but um, I think it's, you know, do you, you know, do you say no political contributions by NBA teams to anybody? Um, you know, do you, I mean, God, where do you start and where do you stop? Do you, how, how do you condone uh, working for the magic? Right. I mean, that's the DeVos family. That's that's the lady who's who's dismantling education. Um, and, you know, how do you how do you kind of I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, I'm not in that position. I don't know how I would act. Uh, uh, I think most of us would probably take our payday uh, and try to do what we could. But, you know, are they in an do they have an opportunity to set aside some things and, um, uh, you know, uh, say things like no public financing of arenas, uh, because I don't know if you realize this, but that hurts that hurts urban communities more than it hurts, say, the suburban and the, the rural communities, because um, that's, that's money that gets spent on that that should go to, to other places. Um, uh, and it's not necessary. These guys are, except maybe with someone for Tita, who's out of money, but uh, other than him, you know, it's a it's a very wealthy ownership group that built their own arenas, uh, but it's it's all about squeezing what money they can out of the public. Yeah, and I I think it's it's a tough line to walk, uh, like like you were saying, Alan. Um, you know, it it is an entertainment business if if we're looking at it, all things considered, and they have done you know what what they think is right. They've lost viewership they've lost some ratings along the way ultimately that's you know it's their business if if they would like to do that and they feel you know that this is a very just cause and everything as they do um you know i, I think that's totally their, their choice i i do wonder like justin said i i think it's uh it's a fair point you know how how long do we keep black lives matter on the court what what is the look and feel going to be like next year um, or or later this year if they're starting in December whenever that happens um, I, I think there are just a lot of questions and in in some ways I do wonder kind of if they have just kind of bit off a little bit more than they can chew or if if momentum just kind of got going and you know the, these are all questions that I, I don't think any of us in this room or over <laughs> Skype have have necessary answers to but it it's been fascinating to watch just from the the human element of this and them i guess trying to figure out where their identity is and um and i think you know it, it may be telling um in in what kind of guidelines are set for next season um and of course i i think a lot of that depends on on what happens over the next you know three four months um, I didn't really have any other questions about social justice. Did you? No. Did you have any? If you want to move on, topics, go ahead. Or no. If you want to get into kind yeah, of current events sure. type yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, man. 
Um, so I guess, you know, we can kind of go um, timeline. I think one thing that that's really interesting to me that I want to get your thoughts on, Alan, is um, what do you think the fallout is from the Clippers game seven loss this past Tuesday night? I believe it was, um, you know, we had I would say a safe estimate is probably 40 percent of the media. Maybe that's a conservative estimate thought that the Clippers were the title favorites at the start of the season this year, maybe more than that. Um, Plenty of media members certainly thought they were the title favorites over the Lakers uh, with how things were set up and how the rosters looked at the start of the year. What do you think are, are some big fallout issues or maybe like opinions of Kawhi, Paul George, Doc Rivers? Does this organization have a shot again next year to do this? Um, I guess kind of big picture, and then we can go more specific. What are your thoughts on the Clippers um, losing that game seven of the Nuggets? You know, I originally, my first thought was, uh, first of all, you know, yay Denver, it's an awesome story, right? Um, but, you know, it's Doc was so thoroughly outcoached in that series after yeah. the first three games. Um it was it was just uh, it was a little yikes, and to me, I was very surprised to hear the next day that they that that Balmer has confidence in Doc and that he will be back next year. Because I, I my first idea for the fallout was was going to be Doc was gone, and and either uh, Tyrone Liu or Sam Cassell would be stepping into his role, um, or they would go for somebody else, like an assistant somewhere else, or uh, a Van Gundy type. Uh, uh, so I was, I thought that initially would be the fallout. I don't know that, and I, I, I hate trashing players necessarily, but I, what did I see? It's playoff P. Now they're calling it pandemic P or way off P. Um, oh no! It, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're 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 hitting the side of a backboard in a game seven. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like corner three, which is one of the. I mean, look, I've I've taken plenty of corner threes. If your eyes aren't the best. It could be one to overshoot, but I don't think I've ever hit the side of the backboard taking a corner three. Um, so I, 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 I don't know that Paul George is the guy for that. And, you know, I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but Kawhi originally asked for like five other people before settling on Paul yeah. George. Jimmy Butler. Um, yeah. Butler, uh, Bradley Bill, James Harden. He was, he was going after, the guys he wanted to play with. And he's like, well, what about Paul George? <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that trade is going to be a, uh, uh, that, that's, that's a crazy trade. Um, again, on Twitter, someone said that, uh, that they uh, uh, gave up more picks for Paul George than he had field goals made in game seven, oh um, <laughs> which, which is yikes. Um, so I think there's got to be some changes. And I think, uh, I mean, you're going to see some anyway, because I don't know that they can afford to keep someone like uh, Harold around. I don't know how much he hurt himself with his play. Um, but I think it's it's another Clippers implosion. Uh, and uh, um, I was, uh, I enjoyed it. I was not like, I was not like sold on the Clippers as the, the guys. I thought they had as good a shot as anyone else in the West, but I didn't, I, you know, Kawhi is who he is. And I, I don't 
you know, he's a really, he's a great defensive player um, and a great individual defensive player. Uh, he's a guy that can get his own shot um, as, as messy as it might be. Um, but I think, you know, you throw Kawhi on the Raptors this year, and I think they're, they're working on their sweep of the Miami Heat right now. Um, I, 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 I think a lot of his success last year was due to both his individual brilliance and the uh, team cohesion and coaching staff of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and I don't think you, I mean, Lou Williams flat out said there was no, no cohesion and no plan. And I think it, it was like an old school, I could go on and on about this guys. It's, it's an old school coaching mentality that I think doc is definitely a, 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 a proponent of. And it used to be coaching used to not matter that much. It used to be, do you have talent? Do you have some sort of scheme to run, uh, save a triangle or, or four out Hakeem in the middle? Um, you know, do you have something to run and can you motivate your team? And that was kind of the coach's job. Coaches didn't matter, but I think what we've seen here, particularly with the analytics revolution and then the evolution of coaching over the past few years is that uh, your best coaches are the ones who have all of that, but also have the ability to adjust um, and don't depend on just the individual talent. Um, And it seemed like Doc's game plan was, everybody go out and do their best individual job on offense and defense. We're not, we don't need to really run plays. We don't need to, to um, run a defensive scheme necessarily. We have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. We're good. Um, And Patrick Beverly, but you know, it, it, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. I I like your, all your points there, Alan. And I think, um, you know, especially with coaching these days, one thing that's critical is those halftime adjustments. And and I just felt like in the series with Denver, there are several games where it seemed like Doc was just kind of sticking with his guys, like you mentioned. I, I think there were a lot of times he was playing Harrell when really he should have been playing Zubac instead, maybe. Um, and I, I'm with you. I think he might be too old school at this point because now we have a pretty big track record of Doc Rivers without Kevin Garnett, and and it's not great in in some respects. And and I do think Doc is a great coach, um, but you know there's been I think five or six instances now where the team was up either three games to two or three games to one, and they let those series slip away. I mean that's not not a great look. And he's played against a lot of great competition too. So so I do want to be fair to Doc, but but I. I'm with you in thinking that, you know, I'm wondering if he's the guy that's going to get the Clippers their first NBA title. And we've seen these dynasties over the past decade can split up in an instant. I mean, we we thought, you know, Golden State was going to be together forever. Uh, Once KD got there, he left. Now they they might come back next year and be super strong. You never know. Um, But, you know, we thought Miami Heat would, would own the 2010s once LeBron made that decision to go there. And, you know, it was four years, four very contentious years, a lot of success, but quick split, you know. So point being, 2021, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George might be gone after this is all said and done. And then the Clippers gave away all those picks and we're back to the Clippers, you know, being the Clippers that that we've grown to know. Um, I wanted to circle back to Kawhi Leonard. I think you brought up some great points about him, Uh, you know, and, and someone did make the point 
someone I was listening to, maybe maybe Bill Simmons, maybe someone else, um, that you know Kawhi had culture already when he went to San Antonio when he was drafted, and they were able to coach up his shooting, make him a star, etc. But he didn't really have to develop the culture. Same thing in Toronto. He's he's kind of a mercenary. Comes in, does his thing. It was an incredible postseason. Um, and in this Clippers situation, he maybe was was supposed to be the one responsible for developing some of that culture, maybe giving some of those other players his work ethic, something like that. Um, you know, my question that I'm getting to, long-winded way, but um, last year after that playoff run, I think a lot of analysts, especially on ESPN from what I saw, but but a lot of analysts across the board, kind of gave Kawhi Leonard the title belt, so to speak. Like, you are the greatest guy, the go-to guy, at least in the playoffs, maybe not the regular season because of the um, you know, load management concerns, all that stuff, but you have the title belt. Do you think that this postseason, I mean, going out in the second round, kind of a historic loss in some ways, uh, given how they were favored, do you think he loses that title belt? Does it swing your opinion of him? Um, what, what are your kind of thoughts on fallout for Kawhi from the loss? I, I... I, so I think, I think it was, I mean, he, you know, he is a great player and he is who he is, but it's he's the guy that's going to come in and instill, uh, motivate, install a culture in a team. I just don't think that's him. Um, I think, you know, drafting into San Antonio, like you said, he's, he's, there's already a culture there. That's the Duncan Popovich culture, you know, going to Toronto, that was Kyle Lowry's team. Kyle Lowry is the heart and soul of the Raptors. Um, you, I think it's the Clippers, you know, didn't have their identity last year was strong because they were underdogs. Right. So they, you know, it was Beverly and Harrell and they were pretty much the guys. And so putting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard into this kind of culturalist morass as just, and then expecting them to, to develop it, it just wasn't going to happen. And then I don't know, like a lot of the, there are so many things. I mean, I'll, I'll circle back to Kawhi, but there were so many different questionable moves that they made in order to get better in presences. I mean, Reggie Jackson was, was a, was a team wrecker in Oklahoma city. And then he did the same thing in Detroit. Uh, you know, one of whichever Morris twin they had, I mean, gosh, the only time that guy can beat really beat somebody is if they're homeless. So I, I, I just don't, I can't uh there's some questionable questionable personnel decisions that i thought that they made um instead of really developing some of their young core guys uh um and i and i agree with you on the zubach thing i think that that i was that guy is actually i think he's got potential to be like a really good center and i i just don't know if he was just too slow for the game or whatnot but I don't know how you could be too slow to keep up with Nikola Jokic, who's the slowest yeah. dude I've ever seen in my life. I, um, I mean, we're talking Arvidas Sabonis speed post knee <laughs> surgery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, if uh, so, Kawhi, does this tarnish him? I, I mean, look, if he had the belt last year, coming into this year, he was just borrowing it from LeBron. Um, uh, that that I think that belt stays LeBron's until until he uh, flames out in the first or second round. Um, 
series. I mean, last year, not making the playoffs doesn't count. He was on a team that, that, that needed development and then hit the groin injury. I can tell you from experience, that's a, that's one that, that lingers and lingers and re-aggravates the slightest movement. Um, so I, I, I mean, I was doing some kind of kickboxing and I re-aggravated mine this week. So it's a, uh, you know, I, I don't fault LeBron for that, for missing the playoffs. It, it happened. Um, I, Kawhi's not that guy. He's, he can be your first option, absolutely, but you've got to have a very strong alpha personality running the rest of that team, whether it's a combination of coach and player or a player. And, you know, he benefited from that in Toronto and San Antonio. Uh, the Clippers yeah. don't have that. How do you think the players have reacted to the bubble? I mean, we you mentioned the Clippers. Paul George said he was in a dark place. Um, we've seen some players really have um, higher than normal stats. I'm mean, that's my brother, who's in Japan, sent me a, a stat, not stats, but a video just about, um, I think, T.J. Warren, right, um, from the Indiana Pacers, just about his, his play was abnormally um, like increased during this bubble play, and he came back to earth once they were eliminated. And we've seen other players like Jamal Murray step up. Do you think, like, the players that have performed well in the bubble, do you think they might be able to carry it um, through next season and seasons beyond like a Jamal Murray? Or do you think just the bubble is leading to more abnormal play because you don't have the distraction of fans, um, there's limited fan interaction, players just go to the hotel and just sleep as opposed to having to deal with the club and other activities. Um, they can just kind of focus on basketball. Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I, 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 I think – for some players, they absolutely benefit from not having the distractions. Um, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I mean, there was no James Harden going to the club and staying out till four on the day of a playoff game. So that's, that was certainly appreciated. Um, I think for, for players with family, I think it's it just got to be super, super tough because being on the road, being an NBA player, you, you don't see a lot of your family during the, during the season anyway. And then in the off season, you spend a lot of time training, right? You're heading to different places to train. Um, but I mean, to be, you know, 90 plus days without seeing family, that's, uh, that has to, to, I mean, think about like, us. and I don't, I don't know how stringent you guys are. We're, I, I pretty much go out for supplies and, you know, and, and to pick up some food every now and then, and that's it. I don't, I'm not going out and doing anything. Um, and uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough. And I have my family with me. Um, you know, I, I think the bubble looks fun from a certain perspective, you know, you get to hang out with your teammates and go fishing and, and play cornhole. And, and, you know, you got this hotel room and, you know, PJ Tucker has like the 85 inch TV that he installed himself so he can play video games it sounds like, Oh man, that sounds cool. But I think, I think that the novelty of that wears off really quick. And I think if you are someone who, who, who basketball isn't everything, then that could be a struggle for you. Um, uh, so I don't know. Is Jamal Murray going to keep up his, his great play? I don't know. I mean, I would, bet that the confidence that he's gotten and the spotlight that he is getting, I think will help him in next year. 
Um, I think uh, he can very well play himself into a max contract. Um, uh, he's got excellent skills uh, and, and, and great potential, and he, he seemed to just dig down deep when it was acquired, um, which is, I think, a, you know, a really good thing to have. Um, he didn't wilt under pressure. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder about TJ Warren, right? I mean, this guy's throwing up crazy, crazy numbers. I think it, for him, it'll depend on who their next coach is. And, and if you remember, if you remember TJ Warren was basically, uh, traded for cash considerations to the yeah. Pacers from the sun. Uh, so, um, so I don't know if cash considerations was one of the seven Suns players with the Instagram model, but, um, uh, if so, congratulations, cash considerations. Um, just so one last thing, um, just regarding the, the MVP, um, just want to get your thoughts overall on Giannis winning it and pretty much it being unanimous. I know inside the NBA, um, they asked, Hey, does anybody oppose Giannis winning the MVP? And everybody unanimously said that he should win it. Um, it was, I thought refreshing for LeBron to vocalize his anger. Um, despite, you know, a lot of people, including myself, disagreeing with it, at least he was expressing his opinion as opposed to like, you know, saying the politically correct thing, um, with Giannis winning the MVP, how do you feel about it? And do you, is it, is it a weird feeling just because of what happened to the Bucks in the playoffs? Or do you think he rightly deserves the award? Uh, he was amazing in the regular season. I, he just, it, he, he definitely, he definitely deserved the award. Um, I, I think my sentimentality might've gone with LeBron if I had a vote just because of, of his, dominance even without dominating the ball. Um, uh, but I, 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 I can't argue, you know, Gian, Giannis winning it. I, I, I can't. It's, he, he, he did a great job this year. Um, I think uh, he's deserving. I, I think his flameouts in the playoffs are what they are. And I think he, you know, will need to really add some skill to what he does. Uh, in order to counter that because, or get a coach that's going to, you know, have the right kind of, uh, the, the right kind of system around him. Cause I, what they're doing now works great in the regular season. Um, but it, it just does not fly in the playoffs when teams can scheme and plan against it. Um, uh, and I, and I think that, you know, you're looking at, well, I mean, you look at, I mean, this is not unusual. Coach Bud is, is a guy who has his system uh, and it works really well in the regular season. I mean, look at that Atlanta Hawks team. Um, uh, the, but it just, it does not hold up in the playoffs and it's not necessarily because the system is wrong. It's just because the right adjustments aren't made. Um, and so his teams flame out. Yeah. You can, you can get away with it in the regular season. So Giannis is great. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very, He's, he's a really good player. He's, uh, you know, he, he's certainly deserving of it. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you. I think it was good that LeBron, you know, they asked him. He said what he had to say. I think that's okay. Um, the only thing I think would have been better is if somehow the Lakers were playing the Bucks, because then uh, I feel like it would have been like Hakeem in '95 when 
David Robinson won the MVP, uh, and it came into one of the year before. David Robinson, they're playing each other, and right before game one, David Robinson wins it, and he mentions all the great centers who got it before him. He doesn't mention Hakeem, uh, and Hakeem is just fuming and then absolutely destroyed and embarrassed David Robinson so much that he was just never the same player again. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I was hoping would happen, but that's, <laughs> you know, the Bucks couldn't make it out of the second. So, right. Well, Alan, we, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, you want to plug your Twitter handle or kind of anything else that you, you want us to check out? Uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alan Mumsler. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, you can go there for some basketball hot takes, comic book hot takes and, uh, lefty politics hot takes. So, uh, enjoy. And thank, thank you both for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Alan. Good to talk to you, Alan. Have a good one. Yeah. You too. All right. Bye.